Hi, I'm Al Cole, and you're listening to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. This is episode 53. In this episode, we hear from a family, the Frutral family, who started homeschooling for the very first time because of the 2020 pandemic. Hearing about their experience brought back so many fond memories, and it reminds us to make homeschooling our own. Our goal with the Cleverly Changing podcast is to provide you with encouragement, insight about African history, and support you as a parent and home educator. New episodes are uploaded bi-weekly, so please remember to subscribe and share. If you want to keep this podcast going, consider becoming a regular donor through our Patreon page. Visit patreon.com slash cleverlychanging. And remember, I will upload the full video episodes to the Patreon page so that you can actually see who is talking and get a better fill of the show. Today's African proverb is, no shortcuts exist to the top of a palm tree. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by Senegal and the Gambia. Amul Salah. Amul Salah. It means please in Wolof. I have some exciting news. During the month of April, I will be releasing my second book, The Ultimate Sickle Cell Activity Book. If you want to learn more about sickle cell disease, which is the most common disorder in the world, then you should sign up for my newsletter by going to cleverlychanging.com and putting in your name and email address so that I can contact you about updates. Thanks in advance. Hi, can you introduce yourself? Hi. I'm Nani I'm Michael Futrell. And I'm Bernadine Futrell. And I am Michael Futrell. The first. The first, yes. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you all. So this is a rare treat where I get to have an entire family. Normally, <laughs> I just have one or two people at the most. And so this is a true honor. And I know that we are going to have a great conversation today. So to begin, let me just kind of introduce the show. This is the Cleverly Changing Podcast, and we are interested in helping families educate their kids, not just families who homeschool their children, but also families who want to supplement their child's education. So 
without further ado, we're really just going to jump into the conversation. I am a mom of twins and I started homeschooling about seven years ago. And um, like many people now, I, I started homeschooling because of a need in my family. My daughter actually has two chronic illnesses. And so the pediatrician recommended that I homeschool. It kind of came out of nowhere for me and I had to start, which is very similar to what families are experiencing now where the pandemic came out of nowhere and families had to decide, what am I gonna do? And so many families are finding the benefits of homeschooling to be something that is attainable. And so I see that you all have found homeschooling as something that your family wanted to partake in and experience. Can you tell us a little bit about what really kind of inspired you to begin this journey? Uh, sure. Um, I guess I'll lead off. Um, for, for us, like everyone else, it was dealing with the pandemic. Um, I am a former teacher um, who eventually became a state elected official. Um, so naturally I work a lot with the government and the things that we do. Uh, and when the uh, COVID-19 virus kind of took hold, I was having a lot of conference calls. And I think I got off the last call, it was like one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. And my, my wife happened to lean up and look at me and I said, uh, I think we're gonna pull the kids out of school. And yeah, to her credit, she said, well, let's do it. What's the plan? Um, and naturally, a couple of weeks later, everybody was faced with the same reality that, that we had to experience because we wanted to do what was best for our children in that process. Now, this year is a little different. And I know I heard you speak about, you know, you've been homeschooling for seven years. And I, I keep trying to explain to people that um, this isn't exactly homeschool, right? It used to be you could teach your kids during the day. And then when the day was over, they go outside, they play with their friends, they run around, they do this, they connect. But we don't have that luxury right now because of the pandemic. So we, we had to be creative and intentional uh, with how we were going to be able to move forward. And so uh, for us, you know, we kind of jumped on this path. Again, you heard my wife's background in early childhood education. Um, and so when I when I have a when I have a person in the house that has a PhD in educational policy, I tend to listen to whatever she says. <laughs> to him because like he he woke up and said we're going to keep the kids at home. Now that's something I was saying for years. Like I'm going to homeschool one day. I would always kind of make that threat. But what I will tell you is my first job. I worked at a Head Start program right out of college. It was in like a early 20s. And I remember just thinking about how the children were cared for and supported. And I thought to myself, whenever I have children, my I'm going to prioritize somebody hugging and loving my children over anything else. And then so fast forward through like educational research and educational policy and learning about the best practices and all these things. So when we um, had our had had Michael, our oldest, um, our number one goal was to find like a place that would love him and care for him and just nurture him. Um, and that's what we found in our daycare and subsequently our preschool and, you know, all their experiences in school. So when the pandemic came and we had this opportunity to say, OK, what are we going to do? Are we going to enroll into like the virtual public school system? Are we going to enroll in private? Whatever. We we're trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And we stepped back because it was so overwhelming to try to make that decision 
And so we stepped back and we prayed and then we asked our kids, we said, what do you guys want? We gave them choices. Um, we had some ideas about what we wanted to do, but we gave them choices and say, do you guys want to homeschool? This is for the fall. Obviously March, nobody had a choice, but for the fall, we had a choice. And so when we made that choice, we decided to do homeschool because one, it allows us to um, kind of control our schedule so we can make, you know, so we can connect. So we can connect as a family in the morning. And then, you know, during the middle of the day, the kids can kind of do their schoolwork and we just kind of flow that way and it works for us. But it allows us to have that, that connection and allows us to also get to know them. Um, they're funny. I remember like, you know, during the regular, you know, commuting to work and picking them up after the sun is set, that you would have those moments during vacations or weekends that you'd find out this new funny thing that they're doing. But now that we're like at home with them, we get to see that. So we were very intentional about um, what we wanted, which was for them to feel loved and supported, especially during these times. But we also stepped back and let the decision kind of be made for us by praying on it and then asking the kids what they wanted to do. And, and it's been a blessing. And I, and I think, um, do you guys like it so far? Yeah. You got to talk. <laughs> you got thumbs up. <laughs> yes. So you have said a lot. I want to unpack a little bit of what has been said. The first thing that comes to mind is what Michael said is what people are doing right now. Even those who have decided to homeschool, mm -hmm. it doesn't look like what homeschool looked like before the pandemic. Exactly. And wherever you are, there were museums that were open and there were libraries that were open. There were all these educational centers that you could go to, theaters, just really it was, the possibilities were endless where you could take a, friend, a field trip. Now, <laughs> there are very limited places mm -hmm. that you can go that are as far as uh, places in, indoors. Outdoors, you still have free reign. But let's talk about that because a lot of homeschoolers were rarely home. Mm -hmm. You know, the term, term homeschoolers just really was encompassing of a, of a variety of different homeschooling methods. So when you decided that you wanted to homeschool, you knew that it would be different because coming out of the educational system, you knew that some of those resources that homeschoolers normally have access to were now closed. Mm -hmm. So what kind of said, you know, hey, this is going to be different, but it's still going to be worth it. Mm -hmm. right. I'll, you know, I'll tell you for us, it was really during the summer where we had that revelation that we could get this done. Um, as my wife and I were talking about, you know, being intentional with how we were going to move forward. One of the questions that we asked was, how will our kids remember the year 2020, right? It's unprecedented. How will they remember this? And so we wanted to go out of our way to make sure to the best of our abilities that it was something that they could think back on in some general positive light. And so typically we go on vacation, as you heard my wife talk about, that's where we would learn new things about them. Um, and we were trying to figure out, well, what will we do? Will we, will we rent a camper van or or, you know, are we going to go away? Do we trust going into a hotel at this point? And so what we came up with was what before we call... Before you say that, though, I do want to say the reason we focus so much on those experiences, because we made the decision that 
reading, writing, and math, and all of that would come. But what we really wanted them to get out of this pandemic was memories and connection, and then just kind of filling that that sense of, you know, the thing that that you can't get, you know, that being connected to others, having you know conversations, and kind of just developing on their own. So we wanted to create very intentional opportunities for that to happen. And so you go ahead, sure. Mike. <laughs> no, so what we did was we created uh, Staycation 2020. Um, and I'll tell you, it, it hit me one night, I was scrolling through social media and there were two friends that were, they were, I don't even remember what they were doing to be honest with you, but I just remember them laughing and seeing how genuine it seemed and it made me smile. And I was asking myself, like, why did that make me smile so much? Because it was something that was simple. And I realized there was so much negativity, right? We had civil unrest. We had, you know, people that were numbers were coming in daily. It was just overwhelming. And I was like, you know, people need a reason to smile. And that's when we talked about what we we're going to make that look like. So we said, OK, so here's what we're going to do. We created Staycation 2020. And what that looked like was the first day we told the kids, well, guess what? It's vacation we're going to a water park and everybody got dressed and we grabbed all of our stuff and we drove for 20 minutes to circle back around to the house where our, their parents had purchased this big outdoor water park, blow up water park for them, right? It was our exclusive water park. And we, throughout that vacation, we did superhero training and we create or turned our house into a spy training facility. And uh, we had, they had their business meetings that we had, our board meetings that we had, and we had Nerf battles. And I mean, it was so many things. We yeah. did a cupcake. Cupcake tasting. We did like a, cu I don't know what we called oh, it. It was like was food wars. So and, and we just had all the <laughs> and we And we had cupcake batter. And we said, we're going to, everybody make four cupcakes, put whatever you want in it. And then we're going to do a taste test. Blind taste test. A blind taste, blind taste, taste test. test. Dad, yours was no. Uh-uh. Uh -uh. <laughs> Syrup and you put almonds on top of it. Look, syrup and you put almonds in it in your cupcake. First off, y'all not gonna judge me on this was, podcast. You understand me? It was so fun, but but the whole point, like what Michael was saying, is we used everything we already had, like the spy training facility. We took some yarn and used what we had in the house. When we did the superhero race, we used masks, you know, like the little ones you get for the for the holidays, and then the cupcake wars, literally everything was on the table we had maple syrup we had all kinds of nuts and chocolates and and we and, and just and we just let them have at it and then we did the taste test and we all had a sugar rush but it was fun they laughed and we did it you know on facebook live don't forget the cancer lizard oh talk about that and the movie night what happened what did we do we um we got a tent and we laid it down on the couch or under it like a tent and also, we had movie night outside. Like there was like a huge screen. screen. Like a half as big as our house was put the projector or saw a movie on. What movie did we watch? Um, Spies in the Skies. Yes. Awesome. What was your favorite part of your staycation? So was it the water park part? Was it the cupcake taste testing? Movie night? Which part do you think was your favorite? Water I have Mine was water park. Uh, I I thought yours was um superior train because yeah. you got Lamborghini. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> the um, I like movie night, tent, and the Nerf gun battle. The Nerf gun battle. We we did. 
a battle with Nerf guns too at my house. And it was so much fun. But finding the Nerfs, the little darts afterwards was hard. Exactly. I I purchased like 300 of them. So like we probably still haven't found them all. Not at all. Um, I I saw one of the thing, but it got cut when that you cut the We also did like like um, downtime type of activities. So what we wanted to do is just make it as if we were literally on vacation. So even like our downtime, we made an event out of it. We had a puzzle and we just sat and put puzzle pieces together. Um, It was actually after the cupcake war. So we were still on our sugar high trying to find out where the pieces for Toy Story goes. We also did um, a paint night where we just had one big piece of paper and everybody could just paint and just relax and, and, you know, put little, um food trays out so they could feel like it was something different something special uh what else did we do that you guys like uh we did um it lasted for one week which was like seven it was a whole week yeah, it was a whole week it was a full itinerary you it, it's like we were at disney Ooh. world but breakfast outside you know just fun and um and they smiled and, and, I, and we shared, we shared, we shared it. it. And I think that was the, the, the biggest revelation was when we started, po- we posted every day on Facebook um, and the, the cult following that the kids developed <laughs> out of that, um, you know, people would always reach out. Like we started getting messages like we can't go to sleep until you guys uh, post. What time are you posting? What you and I know what you did. And, 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 you know, we still get questions about when we're going to do the next staycation. Yeah. I told them I still have yet to recover from the first one. It was so fun. <laughs> and when I say, uh, like, we did a spy training facility. My husband had on a full black suit with the uh, oh. with the Nerf guns, like, diving through the floor. So, like, for them, it was, like, hilarious. <laughs> and it's almost weird. like, you know, we would have gotten on a plane and gone to Florida, like, that type of memory. And I, 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 I that was a great idea. It was all, like, yeah. like I was like, we're going to do a stay-at-home vacation. We're going to do two or three things. He was like, no, this is going to be a seven-day, full-on. We're all going to be off of work. And we did it, and it was so fun. So fun. I so thought that was Daddy's idea. That's what I just said. When we did that thing when Daddy played Spy and that had the Nerf guns, like he only gave us three lives and we ran around and said, I'm not going to waste my three lives. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we made a cover, then he only got two hits. So what happened was, I want to get on the sewage. I hit him and ran for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you though, what 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 really came out, not just seeing how much others appreciated that um, and bought into it, was like, it's cool, we want to do that and, and those sorts of things. Uh, we did that with intent, not just for our family to smile, but we wanted other families to smile, right? And what I also took away from that when my wife and I were talking was, we can do this homeschool thing, right? Is 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 it may not necessarily be easy. We may not have all of the answers, but we can figure this out as we go along because we think that we have, you know, again, I'm a former teacher, her background is educational policy. Like we're set up for this, but not only that, we can create it in a way that helps others also understand that they could do it as well. You can just use what's in your house. Like they were just talking now about what we did for New Year's. We had a New Year's Eve party where we had a full agenda of things that we were gonna do. We did a, we did a, a walk after sunset. So what does that mean? You put your coats on, you get your glow sticks or you get your cell phone and you go for a walk in your neighborhood, that's it. But it's special because that's what we called it. And then we did, um, we did a, a scavenger hunt. You want to talk about the scavenger hunt that we did for New Year's? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was a whip 
And we got whipped cream spread all over the whole entire plate and shook it. We had and we couldn't use hands. We had to dig our head to find the M Ms. Oh, sounds cool. Looking we had it. so many beers, but it was it was more about like what my husband is saying about being intentional and just having fun with them. Like you know, everything became a, a production. We did. You know, we we did a virtual graduation for for, for Melanie from kindergarten and a promotion mm. for Michael because those are milestone moments and that's what kids remember. And and at the end of everything, that love, that's what they're gonna remember that. They're not gonna know all the stuff that we're thinking about when we're looking for toilet paper and all those other things because they're they're right. eight years old. And so as parents, we get the opportunity to be intentional. And like helping create those memories and then and it comes to life and how they are when they become adults and how they can deal with adverse situations and things like that. So we had a really, really fun time. Um, But yeah, the whipped cream scavenger hunt, uh, the New Year's party, the birthday parties. um, We've we've had a lot of fun. But the other thing I was going to say, we also did field trips. We did a a drive through Washington, D.C. field trip. And, and and you can't get out the car, right? Because it's not safe. Well, it wasn't safe at the time. But instead, what we did is we gave both of the kids one of our cell phones, and we said we're going on a um, a, a trip to Washington D.C. Anything you see that's a interesting i want you to take a picture of it and then we'll get home and we're going to talk about your stories no, oh they had their tablets no we but took it's pictures of everything they we took pictures of everything them. but they remember that right and then we right. also did like a tour of like our own town because my husband you know made history in stafford county being the first black person elected in 350 years so we did a driving tour of like uh the futrell family history and we said this is where mommy and daddy um you know, where we went to this place and daddy spoke and this is where this is at. And they just loved it. This is the first time you went skating, you know, it's just in your neighborhood, things you can do. It's just about, I think, being intentional and just, you know, keeping the, the main thing, the main thing, which is what they're going to experience, what their memories will be. And we can take care of the adult stuff. Right. Um, But not to, not to have that impact their, what their school year is going to look like. Yes. There's a common thread that, I've been hearing throughout the entire conversation, and that is the power of social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like through everything that you've been doing with the kids is to promote healthy social emotional learning. And so can you kind of tell us why, you know, from an educator's background, why that's so important for families, especially now? Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to, I can start and you can add to it. But I think from like a, if you even just go like back to back to neuroscience before we even learned about social learning and, and social cognitive learning theories, our brains develop and as they're developing, they're creating different pathways on how they're going to process and how they're going to interact with the world. And so for young children, the idea around executive function has to be intentionally taught. You have to like expressly help a child understand perspective taking or help a child understand how to even just wait and take turns. In the normal world, we don't know what that even means to be quite honest, but in the normal flow of going to school or even having homeschool and then you have time on the on, in the field to play with your friends, you get corrected and you get almost instructed on this, these executive function skills because someone says, hey, that's my turn, not your turn, 
or someone does something to you and you say, oh, that wasn't fair. That didn't feel right. But now our kids are missing out on that because they're not connecting with other children. Like brothers and sisters can, we're, we do feel very blessed that they have each other, but there's still another level of intentionality that you have to do because those things that are like caught in the day-to-day -day around developing our executive function is missing in this virtual space. And so that's, that's key. And so being intentional and remembering that the brain is, is um, you know, the brain is plastic. It can bend, it can move, and it can do whatever, but you have to be intentional. And the early years are the most important. We know, like, especially for our kids, um, their brain's been growing like crazy for the last, you know, six and eight years. And at some point, you know, it kind of gets to, to where they're adults. And so we want to just fill it with these ideas and these different pathways on how to do it. And, and specifically around like the social emotional learning, what we've learned is um, when they can, when they're comfortable and confident, they can retain more information. And that's why earlier we said, we're not gonna focus on reading and writing. Yeah, they read and they write. We have, you know, binders and all that in curriculum for sure, right here. But what's most important is that they can connect to it. They can internalize it. They can make decisions about it. And so we're just focusing on that part of it, that social cognitive piece that says, you learn by seeing and doing, even if you're learning and see, learning by seeing others do it. That's a social piece. And then you're, and we're emotional learners. So how did that connect with you? How did you feel when you saw that? And what decisions are you now gonna make when something similar to that comes up? And so that's how we've been approaching it. And I would advise everybody to, because, you know, figuring out like, you know, I know the media talks a lot about learning loss and all those things, but at the end of the day, we have to give kids and, and even ourselves, the skills and tools in order to, for good decision-making as adults. And we'll get caught up on, you know, whatever it is curriculum-wise, but you have to have that as a foundation for it to stick. Otherwise, it's not going to stick. I mean, you could go eight hours and say two plus two is four, say it again, but it won't stick. Um, and, and, and we know it's more effective when you take that approach to it. So, so that's number one, why we're, we're doing that. That's my research background. So as a parent, I was like, it's all about their brains. I'm going to spend time making sure they are confident. They know who they are. They can walk into any room and add value. And then we'll add on to that what they need as, as they grow. And then also adding to the intentionality of what we do. Uh, my wife and I started a nonprofit organization called Make the Future. Uh, even before we were married, we, we launched it together um, because our goal was to take these lessons and the things that we've learned and give it to any and everyone. Um, you know, it's not just as we say, you know, it, if you want people to reach their full potential, everybody else around you needs to reach their full potential, right? Otherwise, we all come up short. And so what we wanted to be able to do was all of these lessons and these things that we're talking about right here is we wanted to be able to expand those, right? Like we understand that there are, you know, single parents with a single child at home, right? What does that interaction look like? Like we think about my son, who uh, for the first six months of his life were at home, it was just us and his parents and always holding him. And then remembering <laughs> his first week of going to daycare at a home daycare, how quickly we saw him grow and develop because he was able to watch and interact with other kids and what that process looked like. But it was not something that we initially realized or thought about. And so we want to be able to take these same things and be able to give to other parents. That's why everything that we do, we try to post, we try to give the information out. Um, we want everybody to take it, have it grow, you know, and, and, and expand upon.
Yes, yes. I wanted to ask you, have you, you know, you both come to the homeschooling world with a lot of expertise. And sometimes there are still a lot of challenges in place because managing a school and managing your kids aren't completely the same. You know, you can definitely take some of those tools that you learn and apply them but it's a different type of nurturing yeah. environment. Can you tell what type of challenges you face and how you've been able to overcome them? Well, we I was gonna say we're overcoming. How about that, <laughs> number one? I mean, I, I, I think, yeah, it's different, completely different. And, and hats off to all the parents who've been doing it for years. What I would say is we started with one, like, you know, even have like this, photo I sent to the group chat with my sisters like oh we're setting up for homeschool and I post pictures of all the schedules and the binders and the this and the that and like we did that for one day and then we were like this doesn't work so we did something different and but what I what I would say is how we're overcoming challenges is we are flexible we recognize that number one is what's best for our family what's best for our children and so yes we thought we were going to do school from eight to three every day and then work, you know, cause I'm a morning person. So I, I said, oh, I could work from six, you know, to noon, my husband could do the morning shift, blah, 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 we make it work. Um, but what we found out was um, by time they're up and ready to do school, I'm exhausted. And so I wasn't giving them, I wasn't even present. I was like, okay, do your schoolwork, sit down. It's time to do this. Da, da, da. And so that didn't work for us. <laughs> so that didn't work for us. So we had to switch it. Cause I was like, I don't want the only time I see my kids four hours a day is I'm being that, you know, stern person to say, do your schoolwork. So we, we've tried multiple schedules right now. Our schedule works because we allow them to wake up they have a schedule, they go outside where they're supposed to go outside for an hour, they play for an hour, they eat breakfast, and then we do school. And they have, like my husband was saying, picked up like a binder that I put together for them that has all of their work that they're gonna do for the day. So even if my schedule, cause I work full time, my husband does too, we're working remotely, thank, we're thankful for that blessing. But even if something happens where there's a last minute meeting or something like that, they know their binders there and they can get their paper done and we can come and help them when we can. But we learned that from trial and error. I used to try to block off two hours and work with Michael, block off two and work with Melanie or have my husband work with Michael, I work with Melanie. So I think the biggest thing to overcome or to continue to over to overcome is your own, your own self, like get over yourself. Like you're not gonna you're not going to have all the answers. And even if you like spend 12 hours trying to figure out the answers, you're going to implement it and you're going to realize it does not work for my family. And that is okay. So like get over yourself, whether you got a PhD in education policy, or I would even, you know, go as far as say, if you've been homeschooling for 20 years, I'm sure you would probably say the same thing because your children are dynamic. Like, and that's the same as running a school district. I would say that being, have, being able to, pivot and switch quickly is, is the name of the game. You have to do that, especially with, with young children. So, so we, that's, that's been the biggest one, figuring out what kind of pattern, because we want to give them a pattern and a routine, but also recognizing that we're not going to be so rigid that it's stressful for us to do school. And that, that takes away 
even our own opportunity to bond and connect as a family. And we also have the, the luxury of, as you heard my wife talk about the schedule, well, there's, there's some days where we do school in the evening, right? Um, <laughs> yes. And that's also because like, again, being a former teacher, one of the things that you always are taking into account of is reading your classrooms, right? <laughs> what is the energy and the flow of your classroom in that day? Well, you know what? Some days I've got to adjust uh, my lesson plan. And, you know, we have the ability to be able to, to do that with them, right? If, if it's, you know what, we need a little more playtime outside and then we'll pick it up on the back end this yeah. evening when it comes time for us to do these worksheets. And we negotiate with them. And that's, and, and that's even, it's almost like a parallel curriculum that's happening. Yeah, there's, you know, things you have to do and you have to submit to try to get, you know, your graded stuff. But we'll say, okay, you guys look like you're kind of a little rowdy and everybody, so let's talk about it. Do y'all want to do school on Saturday and, and watch TV right now? And and they'll say yes or no, it depends. We did do one Saturday school. And so since then they've been saying no to that option, but it's an, <laughs> but we empower them. And so I think the, like, like uh, hopefully it's, it's coming through, but the idea is take everything as a moment to like make an impact in their life. Whether you have 10 minutes a day and you just have enough time to log on to Zoom and let the teachers, you know, do do their wonderful work. Or if you have 18 hours to do it, I think it's just being present and intentional when you do have that time, because that's what they're going to remember. Yes. I want to talk about that because as someone who's been homeschooling for seven years, every year is a little bit different. And so it's not like you just, you know, you're spending time with your kids all of their lives, but they change too. And there will be some things that are not always the same. And so as your job, as your responsibilities, as your projects and things change, you will have to give a little take a little, you know, it's going to evolve. And I think, you know, just having this conversation among people who are educators, it helps parents kind of give themselves grace and know that, hey, it can be challenging for all of us. I don't want people to ever think that homeschooling is supposed to be easy mm -hmm. and without any sort of hiccups, just because you feel like, well, I'm an expert on my child. Yes, you're the expert, but being humans, yeah. We're all humans. So that means there will be some times where we don't always get it right. And that in and of itself is normal. <laughs> it's normal. Yeah. And so, like you said, it's something that we learn how to overcome. But it's actually a very good lesson for our children. They have mm -hmm. to learn in this life that there are some things that you're going to have to rethink. There are yep. some things that you're going to have to put down and try a whole nother <laughs> their way in order to make it work. And so it's how we teach them how to take these challenges and evolve with them that really helps them grow as people. And so I think it's one of the most, less, uh, most important lessons. You use the word flexibility. That is my favorite word to use to describe homeschooling because at every stage of homeschooling, you have to learn how to be flexible. And mm -hmm. flexible doesn't mean, just like you said, it doesn't mean that you don't have a routine. It just means that there are things that you may have to change at certain times. And so I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, all families are going to face some aspects of that, not just them. You know, and I think that with this time, we have to learn how to include others more in what we are experiencing. 
And so I am just so happy that you guys shared that honestly about, you know, it's, it's not always going to be perfect. And sometimes you're going to have this emergency call. And what do you, you know, and when that happens, how do you know you handle it in your family? How you know what type of challenges? What do you tell your kids? What do they do? Do they know what to do? You know, and so those type of things by putting systems mm-hmm. in place in your house, then they will know. Oh well, when A happens, maybe I should try B, C, or D. You know, and and <laughs> those things are important because as they grow and they face different decisions that they have to make, they'll have more options. You know, sometimes when we are, you know, going through life as parents, we answer all the questions our kids have Mm -hmm. and never give them an opportunity to seek out answers. And what happens when they become teenagers and young adults, they're like, I can't make this decision because I've never had that sort of experience and been given an opportunity before I got to this point. And So these little tiny lessons build on each other. So I just thought it was sweet to hear you guys share in an honest way how that kind of unfolds. Absolutely. And you know, I wanted to, because I wanted to also, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, go ahead. I was going to say briefly, I think also, um, like my husband said, we started the nonprofit when we were dating and we both have unique stories about how we were raised that are that's not traditional. And but yet we 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 feel like we, you know, we've been able to navigate and be successful. And it's largely because of, like you said, those small lessons that built upon each other. So I was raised primarily by my older sister, who was 13 years older than me. But like somehow she got it as a, a teenager trying to navigate a preschooler and then as a young adult when I was in middle school to just build on things and I remember um, even now as I'm you know in in my 30s and you know her kids are all all gone off to college I feel like if I ask her something and 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 she's hesitant I fully trust her because she's given me so many opportunities to make my own decisions and to like learn. And so like, if she says, absolutely do it, I'm like, okay, we're going to do it. If she says, uh, let's ask some more questions, I'm going to ask more questions. And I think so like she put that in me. And so I'm just so grateful for that, like that, that what she did, my sister Bernadette. And so I think that's also a part of it. So it's not that you have to be, um, like you said, you don't have to have a PhD in education. You don't have to have like, you know, whatever from your background, you just have to have um, a will to do what's best for your child. And I think everything else will be revealed as it goes. And and I, I commend her because you, you're you talking about us, but I got all that from Bernadette. <laughs> Even with that, um, you know, as my wife was talking about, you know, I, I was raised by a single father. And so, you know, my experience is a little different anyway. Like it's not the typical story, uh, especially when it comes to black males that that we hear of that 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 the media and society talks about. And so, you know, matter of fact, you you know, I tell people our, we we have an amazing church at Harvest Life Church under Bishop Lau Dukes and Pastor Ever Dukes. And um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I had written an article for the church, which we we kind of talked about that, and it was like the gift that my father gave me. And you know, my father was college educated, went to work from nine to five in a suit, came home, put on a janitor's outfit, picked up his son, and we went and cleaned an orphanage together so that way he could have money to put food on the table. Um, 
you know, regardless of, you know, when I think of Christmas and holidays and things like that, uh, I don't remember many of the gifts my father gave, but I remember us cleaning that orphanage and playing basketball together. And so when, when people ask, you know, they're like, you know, you know, you should be realistic. And I say, well, you know, you've got to remember you're talking to a young black man who was raised by a single father next door to a drug house who grew up to be the first ever elected African-American to represent Stafford County in 350 years. If I only believe in what people tell me is, is, is possible, my life's not a possibility. Ability. And I see those same things as I look at not just my kids, but all of the kids that we see out there, which is why we wanted to, to go this route and this path, because we know that they can accomplish anything that they want to accomplish. It's about that intentionality. It's about being able to help them adjust and develop and grow. And the sky is the limit from there. Right. Because nobody ever told us we could not do. Like, there is nothing, like, I don't, I still don't think anything's like, spectacularly different about me and anybody else that I was in school with. I, I, what I know what the blessing is, every person that I, adult rather, didn't say you can't do it. They would just say, oh, you wanna, oh, you wanna get a PhD? Okay, so what's your plan to do that? Rather than, I'm afraid, because sometimes we can be so afraid, like you said, answering questions for our kids. We can be so afraid that, you know, our fears or our insecurities about what we're able to do can overshadow what we're trying to get for our children. Yeah, some of this stuff, <laughs> like the phonics, I'm like, okay, let's have your daddy read that because I grew up in the South and I might not say it the right way, but it's okay. I'm still going to be confident and empower you to do what you need to do. So I think even now, as you think about like supplementing, even if folks are not fully homeschooling, but supplementing whatever's happening on Zoom, which you have to do, you you are your child's first teacher. I think it's important to just highlight that confidence that's already in you. You just have to figure out, you just have to get it out of you. So if you're, you know, uneasy about what the math homework is or the math lesson is, um, like, like Mike mentioned, our pastors, our pastor said the other day, you know, there are a million people that work for you on Google. So go to Google and get some help. Uh, you know, you're not alone. Uh, text somebody you, and you don't have to do it alone. For example, if you have um, somebody like, like I said, when it comes to phonics, I'm giving it to the, to the, the, the um, award winning speaker over here. Um, but you can also lean into your, your family, your friends, birthday virtually, virtual classes to supplement it because your job, our job as parents is to be our child's first teacher. And, and we got that from, from our, from people that raised us. And I just felt like just pausing for a minute to say that, because I think it can be so intimidating, especially, you know, like I said, my kids in the third grade, and I'm like, I don't know how to say that for real. Um, so, but as they get older, I can only imagine, you know, how long ago we've been in, you know, algebra one, but just to be confident in it and, and ask for help and lean on your network and, and, and get it, get to what you need for your children and what you need to be uh, successful in, in that role. And another great thing about the, this concept of homeschooling, many of parents out there know the, the daily stories. Your kids go to school, they come home, you ask them, what'd you guys learn today? I don't know. Um, and that's all you really have to go off of. You're trying to go through their backpacks and go through their papers and you ask questions about this or that. But taking this approach allows us to firsthand understand exactly what they're learning. And for us, what we've found valuable is our ability to be able to connect it to real world things. Yeah. And so for us to, yeah. to connect it to history and to not just talk about, you know, Rosa Parks, who sat on the back of the bus, but also be able to have the conversation about we we did one thing where we my great grand my great aunt 
um, we pulled her up on Zoom and we let the kids interview her and talk to her about our family history. And like she told us about my great grandmother who was who actually graduated from and she was the only person of color. She's first person to graduate from uh, high school in Sylvania, Ohio in 1933. That was well before schools were integrated. Right. So those are like little history facts. <laughs> that they'll able to learn, they're not gonna learn out of those textbooks. Like Melanie and Michael have since started their own business. Um, you know, Mike and Mel Biz, they've you know, now run for this election to be president and vice president of their home school. They've written a book and there's so many what other things. Have, what else have y'all done? You did a podcast. Yes. Let's, talk, let's talk about what you've been doing. What are the main things? a YouTube page and a Facebook page. I have no idea if we have a Twitter page. Not yet. Any page, we have a page. But you guys should have to check that. <laughs> what's, your fav- what's been your favorite, like, what's been your favorite, like, something that we, we did that you were not expecting? Your favorite surprise? At first, you said we were going to do the thing we're going to run against. Dad said, we, well, first you said, we might, Dad said this, like, when we were first we're going to run for president, said the thing, Dad said, said I asked, who are you going to, who are we going to run against? And he said, maybe Donald Trump. I said, what the what? So when they did the election, my <laughs> husband created um, a candidate to go against right. them, and they did. A full-on full on debate. Let's back back them up. So how that even came about was my son came downstairs and told his parents, he said, you know, mom, dad, I decided that I want to run for homeschool president. And I know that I'm going to win because I talked to my sister already and she agreed to be my vice president. And so... What happened was we said, well, we can't, it's, it's not, I appreciate the fact that he understands the process, right? Work it out before you get to the ballot. But it's uh, going to be but a learning experience. A learning experience. <laughs> and so we told them that we were going to set up a debate, which we did on Facebook Live. And, you know, we were saying, well, who will you run against? Because this was two weeks before the actual presidential election. And so we decided to have them run against a character. Um, which they called Mr. Not Your Next, Mr. Your Next President. Um, And they did a Facebook Live debate where people were allowed to ask them questions about their platform and what they wanted to accomplish. And they had to handle that debate. Um, And then they had an actual election. And what percentage of the vote did you guys get? 96. 96%. So Mr. Your Next President has three. Congratulations. Mr. Norton, your next president was him. He literally voted himself three times over through all of his Facebook accounts. Like, we have a thing. He copies it. He makes our stuff. Then Larry goes to the other thing and copies it for him. So we told them, we said, okay, you want to be president, vice president. It's not going to be easy. You're going to do this debate. And so we're, like, prepping them for a debate because we're like, we don't know who you're going to run against. And so we do the Zoom. And they're dressed up and they're ready and they got their talking points. And then all of a sudden they hear like their dad's voice in like this character. But it was so much of a character that they weren't sure it was him. So they they stayed with it. Like, okay, I'm going to answer this question. Uh, okay, who is this person? So it was just fun for them to see, um, you know, have to think quickly and have their ideas challenged. They wanted to... Um, raise allowance and he was like well, why am i giving you money what are you going to do with the money what did you guys say what why why do kids need allowances so they clearly can get ready when they go into the real world <laughs> that's a good answer because they going to be paid right <laughs> make sure you get the 25 percent of cash out. 
Cash App, yeah, yeah. So we we just we've just been very blessed. But um, yeah, like I I think the the key for us and the key for any any parent uh, guardian or anyone um, that even if you if you're not homeschooling, even if you are homeschooling, I think partnering with your community. Um, and I know, you know, partner with the school district part, if you're, especially if your children are enrolled in school, partner with the community, because there's a lot of resources out there, even virtually that you can plug into, to be really successful, um, in what you're trying to do for your children. You can, uh, pick up the phone. I used to work in, um, central office in the school district. And we would have people call and say, hey, I have this question about that. My, my kid's not a student, but I have this question. Because as, as the, the community, we all grow together. So the community is going to move together. So I think anyone that you call, even if it's a cold call, if you're not enrolled, um, we'll be happy to answer questions because we all want the same thing. We want our children to thrive, to be successful, and to be well-adjusted citizens when they become adults. And so re remembering that you're not alone in this, um, and and even so, you know, COVID has given us so many horrible things um, that it's hard to even find anything positive about it. But right now, we've learned that we can actually do Zoom. We've learned that we can actually do things. And I, in fact, I think we've seen in terms of Zoom meetings, family members more this year, well, more last year than we have in the past, because in the past, you just call every once in a while, you send a text, but not being able to travel and spend a week with them, you're doing Zooms for every holiday instead of just the one that you would see them with. So I think remembering how connected we always are and not to disconnect yourself, even though you are homeschooling and you're doing what's best for your family, um, or if school is virtually in your home, stay connected and stay engaged, ask questions, raise ideas, because you might have something that somebody in New Jersey has been trying to answer for so long and they're struggling with it. And my whole thing is, if you have an answer to something, or if I have an answer to something, let's say I'm in Virginia, I don't want somebody in Hawaii to be spending any time trying to get to the place that I've gotten on that issue. I want to give you that. And then you build on that. And then I'm sure it'll be, you know, come back to us. So I think just this idea of scaling and sharing is the goal because we're all in it together. And at some point, our children are going to interact with each other, whether we want to or not. And, you know, we can't put them in a bubble. They're going to go to college. They're going to be working. They're going to bump into somebody on the subway. And it's my hope that everybody is going to be well-adjusted, good people. So how do we do that? We share, we connect, and we grow together. Any idea we have, take it and run with it. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. So I, while we're winding down, what type of books did you share with your children to really prepare them for this experience? Did you give them any books? Did you read anything to them to help them get ready? For this stuff, Yeah, so um, go ahead, talk about it. I love Facebook and Dogman, but some really, really, really inappropriate stuff for it. It's so funny. It's so Dogman's a funny cartoon book. Um, it's a, like a kid's novel. But what we did was, um, in terms of, you mean this, like the pandemic for that moment? So what we did at first um, is step back and try to do some data collection to see where they were and what they knew so that we could build upon it. Um, because they were in school and then all of a sudden my husband took them out. So we had to explain to them what was going on with that. But what we did was we bought um, 
probably that first weekend, I went to Target online and I got sketch pads and I got both of them their own box of colored pencils. And we said, here, just draw. So we could just kind of get a sense of kind of what they're thinking because you don't know what they know. So you want to figure out where they are so you can build on it and not, you know, cause any types of unnecessary trauma because that's a real thing um, right now. And so what we did is we have them color and we talk about it and just kind of engage them in conversations. Um, and so we looked at uh, Sesame Street and things like that. We didn't have any books in our house about, you know, what to do in a pandemic because nobody's ever understood that. Um, but what I can tell you is um, during the summer, during the protest, we had a lot of books in our house about how to be proud of who you are, how to serve, uh, how to support others, even like how to kind of give back. And it's that, that those types of books that we were trying to do has helped them kind of say, hey, we want to help out other children. We want to help out other people. And, you know, we would, you know, go driving to pick up the Target pickup and they would they would say things like, um, especially because of the election, they would say, why, why are people fighting over health insurance? What does that mean? And I would explain to them, you know, but, but I would also explain to them why we pay taxes and, and what the purpose of that is and to kind of help them um, develop their own ideas about what's going on around them. But when it came to the pandemic, we really tried to just keep them on the thought of we're home, we're going to be safe together, and we're in this, we're going to do new things. And we included them in those decisions for that. Um, but there are a lot of great books now that are sharing, and even a lot of family members have given us some books. But um, like I said, the whole idea about social emotional learning, uh, executive function has been our priority. So we look at books and talk about what this means. And so they're little novels. And he he's talking about, and I'm going to pull it up, these um, Dogman books. Because, yeah, they're, you know, he's a dog man and there's all these like eight year old boy jokes, but it's it's a bigger story. It's a longer book that helps him kind of make sense of what's happening. And he he reads a book by my aunt, who's um, a retired English professor at from Howard University, Dr. Shannon, around uh, about Zoe, who's this young scientist kid and and so we read those books to her so she gets an idea of like how um, people are making decisions and it's it's heavy in science so so those are the types of things we've done number one starting with the books we had to deal with around um the the protest during the summer and helping them be affirm who they are and then when it comes to um the COVID yes I have a poster in my bathroom that says wash your hands comb your hair every day to kind of reinforce it but we're not you know kind of pushing it so far because we have decided to stay inside so that those who are first first line uh, frontline workers and first responders can get out and do what they need to do and we just feel like we're going to be noise if we come out um, so that's kind of been our approach awesome so i just want to tell everybody who listened to everything that we said we will put all, all of those links in the show and when the book is ready, we will add that to the show notes as well. But I thank you so much for sharing, for just being so candid, candid and honest about everything that you've experienced. It sounds like this entire process has been a true joy and your kids are learning and thriving in their environment. And so I just want to wish you all much success. I definitely want to be able to um, attend 
I have to check my schedule, but I definitely think it is an amazing event. And I'm so proud of you too. I'm so proud of you for all that you have accomplished in just a short amount of time. That is just phenomenal to be two kids doing so much. <laughs> That's sweet. You know, I do want to just give them a little bit of credit. After we surprised them, so with this I, the full seven days, the next, that Monday, when we quote unquote went back to work, they, they said, mommy and daddy, come upstairs, we have a surprise for you. And we're like, oh, we're busy because, you know, we had seven days off, so we're trying to get back to work. And then they created a, a party for us. And they said, this is an appreciation ball for mom and dad. They put a poster up. I think they had a bunch of chocolate for us to eat. But it was just that, that thought of showing appreciation. And we appreciate that, y'all, for throwing us a party. <laughs> a 60s party, yes. <laughs> Um, well, we will definitely have to have you all back on to hear how everything is going and just a follow up. So this has been just tremendously interesting and amazing. I am definitely um, looking forward to see all that you all do in the future and I spending some time with us and the cleverly changing audience. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you having us. Doing. So we will talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mugs, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.